Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Thursday, September 10th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. Why the Senate stimulus bill will likely fail. Plus, the millions of dollars being spent to build a firewall around Kamala Harris against disinformation. But first, the inconvenient truth about air pollution is today's one big thing. I woke up today to dark orange skies outside my window. This is due to wildfires burning throughout the entire West. There are multiple layers of smoke high up in the air from these fires. That's San Francisco Mayor London Breed talking about the orange haze above the Bay Area yesterday morning. Large parts of California, Oregon, and Washington state have been burning for weeks. This has led to dangerous air quality levels throughout the West Coast. It really drives home the way that air pollution is something we can see, but even worse is what it's actually doing to our bodies in an invisible sort of fashion. Brian Walsh is Axios's future correspondent. The fires on the West Coast are an extreme weather and air pollution event. But Brian, I was shocked to read in your story that air pollution is estimated to contribute to at least 5 million premature deaths around the world every year. The more we learn about air pollution, the scarier it really becomes for human health. It turns out that even very small particles can really get into the body and they can cross the blood-brain barrier and cause a lot of problems. It's an invisible killer is the way that environmentalists and public health specialists describe it to me. And like so many things, the pandemic and stay-at-home orders had a pretty noticeable effect on air pollution in cities around the world. What happened back then? Well, you can actually see it in pictures. I mean, suddenly in places like Los Angeles, you could see clear blue skies. Some work from the Center on Research on Energy and Clean Air found that levels of nitrogen dioxide, which is a key pollutant that goes into smog, declined by an average of 27% in 12 big global cities that they were tracking in those 10 days after lockdowns were initiated back in March and April, compared to the same period during 2017 to 2019. And that's not the case anymore. No, it turns out it is returning in most cities back to something close to the pre-pandemic average. Uh, At this point, it's almost back in cities like New York and in London. Some cities like Rome, actually, seems to be even worse than it was right before the pandemic. What that says is, you know, as economies reopen again, which they have in most of the parts of the world, air pollution almost always follows right behind. Even though a lot of people still are staying home and less people are traveling? It turns out that, you know, you still have trucks on the road. Trucks are a huge factor in this kind of air pollution. Diesel fuel burns very heavily, pollutes a lot. What this really tells us actually is that as great as it was to see air pollution drop during the pandemic, it didn't drop as much as many experts projected, in part because you had these other aspects of economic activity still going on. I wonder what this tells you about what we have learned about how we can get air pollution under control. I hope it underscores that This can make a big difference. I mean, that same research institution estimated that just that temporarily improved air quality in 12 major cities they followed saved about 15,000 lives since the pandemic. And that's real people. That really makes a difference. Air pollution is really, really hard to get rid of. As long as we use fossil fuels, as long as we use diesel fuel, as long as we burn coal, we're going to have air pollution. So we need to attack that if we want that situation to really change. Brian Walsh is Axios' future correspondent. We'll be back in 15 seconds with the women's groups fighting to defend Kamala Harris. Welcome back to Axios Today. Earlier this week, we talked about disinformation and how it's affecting American elections. And we're seeing that affect Democratic VP pick Kamala Harris. 
The misinformation around her candidacy is happening at such a volume that a coalition of 12 women's groups, including one super PAC, are spending $10 million in an ad blitz to try to inform voters. The super PAC is called PACronym, and that is the largest digital Democratic PAC basically in existence. Alexi McCammon covers politics for Axios, and she's been reporting out this story. Some of the other groups involved are Planned Parenthood, Emily's List, and another group called Black PAC. So, Alexi, can you give a sense of what these groups are up against? So we've seen misinformation about Harris that can be sort of standard, something like calling her radical. But the misinformation about Senator Harris has been a lot more personal than that. People are sharing these really nasty things about how she got to where she is in life. And those things are amplified by radio talk show hosts like Rush Limbaugh. And you even hear it when you're listening to the president at his campaign rally in New Hampshire recently. How are they trying to counter that? They're not repeating the language that's used. Instead, they're really putting out ads and messages about Senator Harris that really introduce her to voters by talking about her background, talking about her family, talking about who she is as a human. The level at which this activity is happening now, how is it different? You know, I asked a lot of these women who I spoke with, like, is the work that you're doing what you would have been doing in any other election year? Or is there something unique about 2020? And all of them said, without hesitation, there is nothing normal about this election. The baked in assumptions about women who are seeking higher office, the conversations that we're having because of the pandemic and the economy after Senator Harris was announced as Biden's running mate, a group that's tracking misinformation and sexist and racist language found over 11,000 online news articles, including like language like that about her in just the two weeks after her announcement. And their data found that 21 million people actively engaged with that type of content. So they're really trying to fight against that. They're trying to make sure that people aren't seeing this content in the first place. And if they are, they're able to contextualize it and understand why it's wrong. Alexi McCammond is a politics reporter for Axios who's covering the Biden-Harris campaign. Axios Insider is a sneak peek into the conversations in our newsroom. Today, the Senate's expected to vote on a Republican stimulus plan. It's been called a skinny COVID relief bill, but it's not expected to pass. Elena Treen covers politics for Axios, and she's here to tell us why. Good morning, Elena. Good morning. So, Elena, with a majority Republican Senate, we're still not thinking this will pass? No one really does. The big question is whether it'll even get 51 votes or a majority. If not, it really would be an embarrassment for Republicans in the White House. But the bill, it's called a skinny bill. It's because it's a narrowed down package. And it really focuses on the key priorities Republicans agree on, which is enhanced unemployment benefits, as well as an extension of the Paycheck Protection Program for small businesses and some more money for schools and childcare. Why would they put forward a bill that's not going to pass? It's really seen as a political maneuver. Republicans are really looking to put out something at all and show that they're taking some sort of action to bring relief to a ton of Americans who are still struggling under the weight of the pandemic. And what's the Democrats' political calculus in all of this? They have put out and they have passed the House what they call the HEROES Act, which they passed back in May, that really gets to everything that they wanted. It was $3 trillion then. They think it needs to be even more money now. And they will not settle, they say, for any bill that doesn't include all of the priorities that they think are needed. 
So when can we expect another stimulus bill? So I think that a lot of people aren't sure of whether any deal will be passed before the election. There is a chance that they tie stimulus funding to the government spending bill in order to avoid a shutdown, but it's not clear whether that'll even happen. And so a lot of people holding their breath for something that might not come. Elena Treen covers politics for Axios. Thanks, Elena. Thank you. Before we end today's show. That is hit well. Yesterday, the MLB celebrated Roberto Clemente Day. And what a magnificent performance from Pittsburgh's right fielder, the great Roberto Clemente. Last night, every coach and player on the Pittsburgh Pirates and Puerto Rican players throughout the league wore jerseys with Clemente's number, 21. He was always against injustice. He would have been in the front line of making a change. His son, Luis Clemente, told Fox Sports it's important to see athletes not just honoring his father's charity work, but also using their platforms to make change. That does it for us today. You can reach our team at podcasts at axios.com or reach out to me on Twitter at Nyla Boodoo. If you want more news before tomorrow, tune into our afternoon podcast recap. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. 